Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tips Over Tipples, the show where Louise and I sit down, have something to drink, and talk about places to eat and drink in London. On today's episode, we're talking about 10 Greek Street, a small restaurant in Soho serving a selection of seasonal dishes on a daily changing menu. Hey Louise, we've got different drinks in our hands, don't we? I'm drinking a beer. Rody by Signature Brew. It's a local brewery. Rody's possibly my favourite beer in London at the moment. It's such a great go-to. It's easy drinking. It's tasty. And I'm glad it's popping up all over the shop now. Go Signature Brew. You, by the looks of it, are being a lot more boring than me. <laughs> boring. Well, I'm pretty poorly at the moment, actually. Uh, last time I was ill, I got no sympathy from you at all. So, <laughs> no, you're, you're being a loser. Yes, this is true. It's my turn to be on the Lemsip. Well, there you go. I think I'm enjoying my drink more than you, but I do wish you a speedy recovery. Thank you. All right. On with the show. So, Louise, Friday just gone. We were in Soho, weren't we, once again? Yep. Love it in Soho. I do love it in Soho, actually. I know it's a big touristy spot, and we have been in London for, what, nearly eight years now. But I still love going to Soho. It makes me really feel like I'm in London and there's loads going on. There's just so many places. It's buzzing. I do hate those bloody rickshaw men blasting horrible music with brightly coloured felts and furs on their seating who are just clearly trying to scam tourists the entire time. But other than that, I don't know. I think Soho's a vibe. Do you still like it or are you you tired of it now? Oh, I still love Soho. It is so busy. Sometimes it is stressful, but... I do love that there's a buzz. I love that there's always new restaurants. There's so many restaurants that we love. It is kind of the caveat to that is that it can be quite hard to book places. Some places are really busy. It's some always places, rammed, isn't it? Exactly. And some places you can't book, which means that you have to get there really early. So I feel like you really need to be on it when you're going to Soho. I agree. And I think double caveat that there's loads of restaurants and there's lots of good restaurants but there's a ton of shite restaurants as well, aren't there? You've really got to be careful where you go in Soho. I think going to Soho unprepared is a rookie error. You need to know where you're going. You need to know whether you're going to have to queue up, like some places. Koya, for example, that was a place we went recently that you had to queue for, um, which is a, a cool Japanese place. We, we like the food there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we liked it. Udon. Udon, yeah, it, it was good. And, yeah, and then the other good places you're going to have to book. So be prepared to either book, queue, or have a shit meal. I think those are, those are your three choices in Soho. Uh, fourth option, get very lucky, but how can you plan to get lucky? Yeah, I don't like relying on chance when it comes to eating out, Louise. I want, I want to be guaranteed that I'm going to get in where I want to go. Yeah, this isn't a podcast covering all of Soho. This is covering a single restaurant, but Soho's got so many pubs, so many bars, restaurants, dessert shops. It's got Ronnie Scott's The Jazz Bar. Maybe we'll do an episode on, on Soho one day, but I think it'll almost be too big a thing for us to to, to attempt, right? There's just t- so many places to talk about. Yeah, we'd have to take it in parts or something, but for today at least, it's 10 Greek Street. Yeah, 10 Greek Street, talk about one place only. So yeah, let's talk about 10 Greek Street. The thing with Soho, Louise, is, as we said, there's loads of good restaurants there. There's lots of places that we like, but I feel like there's still even more restaurants that we want to go to that we've heard are really good and we haven't had a chance to eat at yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The list grows longer and longer. There's Humble Chicken, which which I'm really keen to go to. I'm, I'm 
It looks delicious. Yeah, I'm also really keen to try out the French house. Yeah, I know. We keep talking about that. We did Boucheron Racine, but we need to do the French house soon as well. And there's just there's just so many. And this weekend, we said, okay, we're going to go to one of the places we want to go to. And obviously, we left it too late to book. I think we gave ourselves seven days, which is just not enough time in London, unfortunately. It's sad. Spontaneity is dead. But no, you can't leave it that late. And the only place that we could get a booking that we were keen to try was... 10 Greek Street. I was quite surprised, but they had plenty of spots uh, at short notice, which was good. Yeah, very handy if you're looking a bit more last minute. Absolutely. So yeah, we went Friday night at 7 o'clock. Do you want to talk through what it's like arriving at 10 Greek Street? Set the scene, Louise. Paint a picture with words. (laughs) So 10 Greek Street, on Greek Street, uh, it's a... (laughs) Oh, it's on Greek Street, is it? What number? (laughs) 10... Okay, good. There's loads of restaurants along the street. Uh, it's got quite a good vibe. I think Ronnie Scott's is on that same street, isn't it? I think it's either on that street. I think it might be the one parallel. It's very close. Well, a very vibey <laughs> area. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of other places. There's, there's Noble Rot, which we really mm-hmm. want to go to as well. Yeah. Wine lovers out there, go to Noble Rot. Yeah, so from the outside, it's pretty unassuming. There's a big tiled wall. There's a big window where you can look in um, at the restaurant, which is kind of dimly lit, uh, but you can look in and see what everyone's eating. Yeah, it's enticing, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then you get in, and it's pretty cramped in there, I'd say, because we we kind of stood waiting to be shown our table, and there were people trying to get to the loo. Yeah, but there's only kind of space for one person to move through the restaurant at a time, isn't it? So you kind of need to let someone come through before like moving through yourself. Yeah, I, I could have done with a little bit more space there. I feel like they've tried to ram as many tables in as possible, which I guess makes sense. It's a... It's hard out there for, for, for restaurants, but yeah, it, it, it's pretty pretty cramped. But anyway, we got in and we got to our table and we had plenty of space there, didn't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Once you're going to buy your table, it's totally fine. Yeah, and they've got daily menus on blackboards, but they also kind of hand out paper versions, which is good. So you don't have to kind of crane around uh, and look at the blackboard. And there were plenty of options. They've got some smaller plates, some larger plates. We went for a sh- sort of sharing a style, which they advise, but I think you could also do starters and mains really if you wanted to yeah they said they recommend you ordering share a style like every place in london and that's what we did but upon reflection i think we could definitely have had a starter and a main and even a pudding each and you could have done it kind of the more the more traditional mm-hmm. route if that's what you're after we are on a mission to identify places that you can do <laughs> starter mains puds louise and I, I would add this to the list yeah if, if, if you wanted yes yeah, always good to know yeah and they've got a pretty extensive wine list as well and actually i think I really like how they do wines in general at this place. They've got, as I say, the extensive wine list. There's plenty of wines by the glass and by the bottle, but also by the the carafe, which is a half bottle, which I think is really good. And they've got a good kind of range of prices. We didn't ask for this, and I didn't learn about it till afterwards, but apparently they've got a little black book of wines as well. So if you want the special wines, you can ask for the little black book, and they've got even more special wines. I'm assuming they'll be really expensive, so it's fine that we didn't didn't (laughs) ask for that. And did you know they do corkage? So you can take a bottle and it's 20 quid for corkage if you want to take your own wine. Okay, interesting. And on Friday lunch times, five pounds a bottle. Well, Friday lunch. Yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, who's going at Friday lunch? But if we ever take Friday off, let's go there. <laughs> and, well, maybe let's go there. We'll talk you through what we thought of the restaurant in a moment. But anyway, so I think they do, they do their wines really well. So on to the food, Louise. Yeah, so on the menu, it's kind of... European, generally, that's kind of what they say they go for. I think so. Yeah, 
there's kind of a mix of things. For the starter, we ordered the pulled pork and duya tomato and fior de latte pizzetta. And pizzetta is just a small pizza, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we thought that sounded like a tasty starter. And it sounded a bit bigger, didn't it? We only wanted one starter between the two, and we thought yeah. a small pizza might be a good thing for us to share. Yeah, and so this was £14, which was slightly more than the other starters, so it kind of said to us that it was probably going to be a bit bigger than some of the other ones. And what arrived was a small pizza. Yeah, exactly. An the- undercooked small pizza. <laughs> yeah, we had some discussion at the table about, was it supposed to be pizza, pizzetta? What did we read? Was it supposed to be a flatbread? I was wondering if it was a flatbread because at the time, because it what, the dough wasn't like a pizza. It was kind of undercooked, a bit softer, less less of a strong dough than a pizza. It was kind of odd. I just think they hadn't put it in the oven for long enough, honestly. I think it was just an absolute cock-up on their part. And if not, just a rubbish choice in a dish to serve. It was horrible. It wasn't horrible. No, no, the dough was horrible. It it definitely was nowhere near cooked enough, in my opinion. I mean, it wasn't a pizza, but I wouldn't say it's horrible. I just think it was like misrepresented, but also not as nice as a pizza. So it would have been good if it just was a pizza. And it was called... Pete Zetta. Well, I know, I know. Which, it set, it set up something in my mind. Anyway, it felt weird ordering a pizza at this place as well. I wasn't expecting to go into this <laughs> European restaurant and, and order pizza. Yeah, we definitely didn't have it on the cards. I mean, it's had a nice... The, the flavours worked well together. There probably wasn't enough of the topping, I'd say. Yeah, I think the tomato base was delicious. Mm-hmm. And the pulled pork was was nice. And the Induja, I mean... You're not a huge fan of it, so I guess... Induja is one of these that... When did it appear? When did everyone start thinking Induja was trendy? Maybe yeah. twenty, maybe 2016, everyone decided that Induja was going to be the next big thing. I remember when everyone discovered Halloumi in 2010. I remember when everyone discovered Padron Peppers about 2018. And Induja is <laughs> one of those as well. It's like, fine, we get it. It's an ingredient that is trendy and people have on Instagram at the moment. At the moment. It doesn't mean every bloody restaurant in the world that you need to have it on your menu. I mean, lots of lots of people like it, Tom. Lots of people like like. Okay, I'm on a tangent now, but this is something I need to get off my chest. I, okay. I, I know you know this, Louise. The Padron Pepper problem. <laughs> Say that twice as fast. The Padron Pepper problem. Okay, Louise. I love tapas. I'm from Spain. I've done the tapas rent. I'm not doing the tapas rent. And I remember when I told people about Padron Peppers being a nice tapa you get in Spain, yonks ago. Anyway, and then we went out to a tapas restaurant one day. And we had some Padron Peppers, and everyone said, oh, yeah, they're really nice. And then a few years later, more Spanish restaurants started to do Padron Peppers. And now everywhere does bloody Padron Peppers. I went to a Thai restaurant, and they do Padron Peppers. I went to Spoons, they're doing Padron Peppers. Chill out, they're not that good. And also, you're not a Spanish restaurant, stop doing Padron Peppers. And it's not even impressive cooking. They're charging, I don't know what, £7 for some little peppers that have been fried. They've done no cooking to it. Sometimes they don't even cook them for long enough, and they're still raw, and they haven't put enough salt on, and they don't have the char, and they're just not very good. We're being scammed. Everyone needs to stop ordering Padron Peppers unless it's at a tapas restaurant. We need to take the power back, people. <laughs> Are you with me, Louise? I'm, I'm partially with you. I do love a Padron Pepper. It is very bad when they're not cooked enough or they don't have enough salt on them. So it is very frustrating that so many places do it and they don't do it well enough because they're not, yeah, a Spanish restaurant. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. And and I'm watching you, restaurants that do it. Stop it. Anyway, back to... Back to Induya. Back to Induya. <laughs> I don't think it's that good. It's fine. But again, it's done way too much. And I'm fine with it, but I don't really love it. I think Padella's worst pasta is the one with Induya in it. 
But anyway, fine. It had Induja. <laughs> We've really got sidetracked here, Louise. I am sorry. But the pizza toppings were good quality. It was clearly good pulled pork. It was clearly good Induja. And the tomato sauce was really nice. And the Fiorda Latte was, was good. But I didn't think it was a great starter. Yeah, I personally think it was nice. Not amazing. I think it would have been better if it was shared between more people because it was quite a substantial entree, so it's quite a lot between the two of us. Maybe we would have enjoyed it more if we just had a small piece amongst, like, you know, four people. Yeah, right. We would have liked it more if we had less of it. (laughs) But I also (laughs) just think that you having this rant about hating and do like, the fact that we ordered it is kind of indicative that there weren't any really strong entrees. I agree. I don't think there were that many that were really standing out to us, were there? Not really, no. Yeah, I'm looking at the menu now. They had olives, salted almonds. Those don't count. Let's say that straight away. Then they had garlic and chilli bread with some chickpeas. Kind of interesting. Then they had that pizza thing. Then they had chorizo. Yeah, that could have been nice, I guess. And then they had broccoli, smoked anchovy and aioli. And I did like the look of that. We did consider that. But then we thought it would be too much food to order that and the pizzetta. So I think maybe we made a mistake not ordering the broccoli. We live and we learn. We do live and we learn, but then we wouldn't have gotten to have that great rant as well. <laughs> exactly. Everyone can see what a nutcase I am. <laughs> anyway, moving on from the pizzetta, we then got kind of two of the larger plates to share, didn't we? Yes. So number one, we had the wild mushrooms, trefi, burrata, kale and walnuts. And the trefi is a kind of a type of pasta. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Is it like trophy? Oh, yes. I realised I've re- misremembered it. It's trophy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. T-R-O-F-I-E. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, what is it? Kind of a slightly twisted tubey pasta? Yeah, yeah. And so we liked the look of this, didn't we? We saw them on you. We love our mushrooms. It's pasta. Burrata's good. Burrata's another one of those things. I love it, but it's one of those things that appeared and now every restaurant serves it. Anyway. We'll get back onto onto the topic. <laughs> a burrata rant for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But burrata is in the same category as, padron, as padron peppers, <laughs> as induja, and as halloumi. Just <laughs> FYI, Louise. So anyway, we like the look of, of the combination of this pasta. This was £27. I'm reading the menu now. You've just pulled a face, Louise. Knowing that that is £27. Damn. I want you to... Bear that in mind when you talk through what we were served. Oh, yeah. I didn't realise how much... Well, I think, thinking back on it, I didn't realise how much that cost. Yeah. If you describe it in two words, rip off. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. One fine. word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't fine, Louise. I, it arrived. You took a bite. And then you love your pasta. And so I was really hoping to see your face kind of light up, knowing... You've eaten some tasty <laughs> pasta, and I just watched you eat it, close your eyes, look down, and then grab the salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a massive sprinkling of salt on it. It was unbelievably undersalted. Do you think like, they forgot to salt it? I have n- It f- tasted like there was not one shred of salt on it. Imagine they didn't salt the pasta water. I know, I know. Yeah, they just... Once we put the salt on it, there was more flavour, of course. The salt brings the flavour, but... Even then, it was kind of, it was nice, it was okay. It was okay, but it wasn't anything special. And as we said, that was £27. You think of the bowls of pasta you're getting at places like Bancone, which is in Soho, or Lina Stores, which is in Soho. Everybody, see our previous podcast on pasta places in Soho. You're paying, what, 12 13 15 at a push for bowls of pasta of similar sizes, but incomparably better. 
So I was very disappointed in this dish as well. So mm-hmm. I'm coming in hot, I'm afraid. 10 Greek Street. Yep. At the time, I was thinking, this is this is okay with the, with the salt. It's like nicer. It's, you know, it's, it's all right. It's all right. But now think, looking back on it with that price, the size, the how the flavor, yeah, that's a massive ripoff. And that thing is tipplers. That's right. You're called tipplers. I've told you <laughs> that before. I'm still trying to figure out what I think about this restaurant because I've heard such good things and I've read reviews that have said it's good, but I'm actually going to form my own opinion based on what I had. And based on what I had, I, I wasn't that, that impressed. These first two dishes really, really let us down. Anyway, so we were two dishes down. I was not happy. I was still having a lovely time because we were out to dinner <laughs> together, Louise. And then we got our third dish, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Fortunately, this one, I'd say, really pulled up the average. Absolutely. This, though, this was the level I was expecting from every dish, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. We'd heard a lot about this restaurant. I was expecting this quality throughout. Yeah. But this third one was delicious. So we got the venison pie Jerusalem artichokes with cavallonero and fried sage. The pie was in this sort of dome sort of thing. Yep, i describe it as a dome. <laughs> and it had this lovely slow-cooked venison in it. A bit like if you had... I mean, I don't know if I've had a venison pie before, but I'd describe it like a kind of lamb pie that clearly slow-cooked this meat for quite a long time. Yeah, it, it was, fell apart, didn't it? It fell apart, yeah. It had a lovely, rich sort of jus kind of inside it and it was also served with this lovely jus. Yeah, what do you think of the pastry? I thought the pastry was okay. It was kind of weird because it wasn't... It wasn't really like a puff pastry. It didn't have the puff or the flake of a puff pastry, but then it also... It didn't have the rigidity of a short crust either. Exactly. I'm not. So I'm not sure what it was. It was okay, but it wasn't amazing. It looked very pretty, and it was nice and golden on the outside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought I thought the pastry was okay, and it did it did still soak up all the sauce quite nicely and everything. I I won't I won't mark them down too many points on on the pastry. No. Um. But the filling of the pie was absolutely delicious. It was so rich, meaty, really lovely flavour. But I don't think that was the best part of this dish. <laughs> yeah, the best part was very surprising, wasn't it? I'll let you describe it because you were just, you were loving this. I really was. It was the artichokes. And I don't really know what they were cooked in, but they were really, really flavoursome. They had a lovely texture. They were really soft and fluffy in the middle. They were almost like kind of potatoes. They still mm. had their, their their shape and their rigidity, but they, they melted in the mouth and they were cooked in this really nice sauce. They were quite moist. I just thought they were great. I can't really describe what they tasted like too much. I feel like it was almost caramelised on the outside. That's kind of how yeah. intense and, yeah, I'd say caramelised the flavour was on the sort of outside of the artichoke. Yeah, I was really impressed with what they'd done there. I thought that was a, a very clever a clever dish. Uh, yeah, really tasty. And then the the cavallonero and the fried sage, they were, they were nice. They weren't knocking our socks off, but I don't know if fried sage could knock my socks off. <laughs> but they they were nice. Overall, that dish was, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was £31, so it's an expensive dish still. I think, yeah, it's, the dishes are quite expensive in, the, in this restaurant, looking back at the menu. And yeah, th- so those are all the, the, the main dishes we ate, really. And I think you were you were fairly full by this point, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wasn't, but I don't know if that's <laughs> just I am a growing lad or, or it was just one of those days. But I, I felt a little bit hungry after this meal, I think, as well. We then looked at the pudding menu. And there were a few options, weren't there? But there was one that stood out to you particularly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was the baked frangipan, Yorkshire rhubarb, and yogurt sorbet. I absolutely love frangipan. You do? Whenever I see it on the menu, I'm very tempted by it. I love 
that's sort of nutty, really caramelized. It usually has a really sort of soft texture, but a kind of crisp top on it as well. And so it was this kind of frangipan mixture that had clearly been uh, baked in the oven in a kind of ceramic dish. Did you like this frangipan? I thought it was really nice. I thought it was a really good one. Really good texture, really good flavor. I thought the rhubarb with it was maybe a little bit hard, like maybe it could have been cooked a bit more or something or I think potentially, but I think I think I think maybe that's a matter of opinion and yeah. other people would have been okay with it, but I do know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I think it worked well together, but for me, the fact that it was this yogurt sorbet on top really <laughs> didn't work for me. <laughs> you 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 curled your lip when you ate the sorbet. <laughs> you were really not happy about it. For me personally, it's just too tart to have with the rhubarb. Yeah, with the with the combination of flavors. I just think a normal vanilla ice cream would have worked so much better. I think I, it needed a bit more sweetness that dish. I think so. Yeah. Also, probably a matter of opinion, but yeah, for me, just sort of the sourness of the yogurt just did not work with this, and so I kind of ended up just tossing it to the side a bit and ate it up from underneath it. <laughs> tossing it to the side. <laughs> yeah, it was really rude when you threw the ice cream at the waiter, honestly. It was <laughs> I knew we'd had a disappointing meal, Louise. But anyway, yeah, no, I think I, I agree with you. I would like the ice cream to be a little bit sweeter. The French pan was delicious. So yeah, that was that. We had a carafe of wine as well. Yeah, it was nice that there were a lot of options for wines by the glass, wines by the craft. So we had quite a few different options to pick from. Yeah. And we went for the Roncel Docile Mencia Vel Uveira. You're not going to remember that or be able to work it out from what I said, but read our blog and we list it there. And that came to 23 quid for the craft. So not a cheap bottle either, but that was a that was a nice wine, I thought. It was really fruity, wasn't it? I thought mm. really, really lots of red fruits in there. And I thought that went quite well with the gamey venison. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a good choice. And yeah, that was that was that was our meal. We've said a lot there. There's some big opinions. Shall we shall we kind of conclude? What's your what's your takeaway from from, from this place, Louise? I think my takeaway, I think I enjoyed this meal more than you, maybe because I know you've been wanting to go for a very long time. Your expectations were really, really high, whereas I maybe hadn't heard as much about it from people. I didn't have much to base it on, so I was kind of going in a bit more neutral. Um, so I enjoyed it overall. I had a lot of food. I thought the wine was nice. The venison pie was definitely a highlight. The frangipan minus the sorbet was a highlight. <laughs> the other things were kind of letdowns. I think leaving the meal, it was £57 each, right? Yeah, which is expensive. So yeah, it is on that getting to that level where I think, okay, did I feel like that was worth it? And probably not for me. I think the menu is kind of not super interesting. It feels a bit overpriced. It's not terrible, but it's not amazing. I'm not going to rush back and I'm not going to really recommend it to loads of people. I agree. There's part of me that feels like maybe we just went on a dud evening and it was... And we need to go again to, to reevaluate because I, I'm so disappointed from having gone there. But from the experience I've had there, I wouldn't recommend it at all. I thought two of the dishes were really bad. One was great and one was okay. And that's just not a good enough return for £57. You could definitely eat a lot better in London for that amount of money. So yeah, 10 Greek Street, if you think that we've got the wrong idea, you'll just have to invite us back for a free meal, won't you? There we go, Louise. That's our first stinging review. Gloves are off. 
How did it feel? Oh yeah, felt nervous. Yeah, I think it was probably me with the gloves mainly off. You, 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 <laughs> you were you were standing at the side just shouting, "Yeah, kick 'em, Tom." <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Tune in again next week when we're going to be talking about Smokestack in Shoreditch. It's a barbecue restaurant that does really great meats that Louise and I have been to a couple of times and we think should be on everyone's list for Shoreditch. <laughs> <laughs>